0: Good morning, y'all. If you got your Bibles, go to the book of
1: Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 20. Proverbs chapter 20. And we start in verse
0: 1. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1. You get there, let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, thank you for being God and being here with us, God. Truly open up the eyes of our understanding. Let us hear your word. Let us hear your truth and be changed by it, God. Give us the grace to comprehend. Give us the grace to understand and give us the grace to live it. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. We trekking our way through the book of Proverbs and we'd have made good leaps and bounds and we're meeting here in chapter 20. And as we going forward through these, I don't know if y'all have been paying attention is the Proverbs that we run into now are starting to get a slight bit more complex in the formation of them. And the idea that as we advance through the book, the difficulty of the Proverbs and somewhat of the darkness of them will increase. Because the goal is, as I told you, this was a training manual for a young man. And the idea is from us starting all the way back, what, two months ago, In chapter 1, at this point, if we would have been watching and paying attention and growing with them, the ability to comprehend is supposed to increase. And that's the idea that we read in the introduction. That a part of this thing is so that you can grow and understand to comprehend the proverb and to understand their dark sayings and the sayings of the wise. And we've been going through since chapter 10, these proverbs, and now they're getting a bit more cryptic. And eventually, once we end this section, we'll get to the sayings of the wise. So there's a progression going through the book. And so y'all have to help me out a little bit going through here. Get a little dialogue, wrestle a little bit. And starting in verse 1 of chapter 20. It said, wine is a marker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. We're just talking about wine. Is a mocker. What it means by as a mocker is it is something that makes fun of you, something that makes a fool out of you. And strong drink is raging. It is something that is violent. It is something that 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 makes you upset. So we're saying these are two characteristics of wine and strong drink. And whoever allow themselves to be deceived by it, by the wine, by the strong drink, is that that person they're not wise. So there's a level or there's something about the characteristics of wine that has the ability to deceive us. And saying if you allow it to do so, you're not a wise person. Verse 2 said the fear of the king is as the roaring of a lion and whoso provoketh him to anger sinneth against his own soul. So when the king is upset with you, I said this one is hard for us to understand because we don't have kings. So that's like the roaring of the lion. The roaring of the lion is a parallel to what the lion does. It has the ability to strike fear to the point of causes you to freeze. And that's what the roaring of a lion does when he comes to his prey. When he roars, it freezes them up because they're in such terror. It's like this is how the king's anger is. And whoso provoketh him to anger, so who that is that provokes are Entices the king to get angry. He said, you're sinning against your own soul. You're fighting against yourself if you make the one in authority mad at you. And this is a question I always have to ask when I read this one. Does this work for the true king? If it is true for Solomon that if we sin against him, he's the Lord, he's the ruler. Do we some way transgression against our own self? Does it work for the true king? If we sin against the king of kings, if we provoke him to anger, are we sinning against our own soul? one to sit there and ponder about verse 3 said it's the honor for a man to cease from strife but every fool will be meddling so this is the glory of a man the honor of a man the man that that makes a man shine is to stop from strife so it's the idea is when you're going somewhere are you into a relationship with somebody and you see trouble rising he's saying it is an honor for you if you can stop cut it out we ain't even doing that we're not going there that you don't go in through, into strife, fighting, anger. You can stop it. It's like, but a fool will keep meddling. A fool gonna stir it up. A fool gonna get involved into it. But it's an honor for you if you have the ability to stop it. To be in a situation somewhere where somebody talking crazy, coming at you crazy, and you can end it. And that don't mean knock them out. <laughs> One hit a on That man put. <laughs> ain't what he talking about. As they tell you in elementary school, take the high road. <laughs> Verse 4. said, the sluggard will not plow by reason of the cold. Therefore shall he beg in the harvest and have nothing. Meet this lazy man again. So because of this cold outside, he's not going to go work the land. Sluggard won't plow because it's cold. Now I ask y'all a question. Do you think that's a legitimate reason? Yeah. You think so? That's what I'm saying, man. (laughs) That's a legitimate reason to me. Like I said, I'm from Alabama, man. Grew up with no central heat. I'm used to the hot. But that cold don't play with that stuff. That seemed to be a legitimate excuse. Now you're cold out there. Not the plow. (laughs) And here the, the picture is, whether you take it as a legitimate excuse or not, the end result will be the same. If you have a concrete reason why you can't go, when it is time for you to get the benefits of working, you still ain't going to have it. It's cold outside. I can't go work the land. It's about to rain. My lawnmower messed up. Whatever the excuse is, no matter how legitimate it is, the result is the same. And it's the mindset that, one, we need to re-educate it into our children. Is that no matter what's going on, you still have an obligation and there's a job that needs to get done, and excuses does not excuse you from the obligation that you have to meet. Cause if you do not meet them, you will not eat. That's what he's saying. So when the harvest time comes, cause he wouldn't work, even if he had a legitimate excuse, he's gonna be begging. So let's not be that lazy person. Counsel in the heart of a man is like deep water. But a man of understanding will draw it out. So that's counsel, that's advice, that's wisdom. Guidance is deep down in somebody. Said it's like deep water, that means there's levels to it. And this is something that, that, that goes beyond just the surface. And the idea here is that a man of understanding, a man who comprehends something about life, know how to pull what's inside of somebody out. Know how through conversation, through relationship, to reach down into the depths of the heart and get, get it out of there. To, to, to reveal what's truly going on on the inside. And this could be one of a, well you're counseling and you're helping somebody out and you realize they know a whole lot more than they realize they know. So through conversation and the way you talk, you pull what's in them out of them. And it could be to the point where you're looking for some counsel and some advice. And you're talking and people ain't damn quite getting it. But you know the right questions to ask and you understand enough to where you can reach deep down inside of somebody and get all the depths that's inside of them. So this is what understanding allows us to do. Verse 6, And most men will proclaim every man his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. So the idea is that the vast majority of people will tell you how true they is, how trustworthy they are. That's what he mean by proclaim their own goodness, the fact that you're going to lie upon them. How many of you know somebody who go around telling you how 100% real they is? You know what I'm saying? I don't deal with no lying. I ain't no fake. It's just straight up on 1,000. And they be lying like a... <laughs> be the first one to shoot you. I don't like no fake folk around me. I don't I Don't on bang with them. And you the biggest liar out the whole group, man. And that's what he's talking about here. Most people will tell you how real they is, how good they are, how dependable they are. But a real faithful person, someone that you can truly rely on, truly depend on, that's hard to find. And let's get back to something we was talking about a couple of weeks ago. Is that as you increase and as your wisdom go, your friends decrease. Because it's just a simple point of nature. You have less people because as your eyes open up, you start to see people for who they truly are. And more people become ministries, folks that you're reaching out to. But very few be those faithful friends that you depend on and that you can bang with and that you pour out your heart to. Because the faithful man, the trustworthy man, he hard to find. But that dude that can tell you how 100% real he is, put the t-shirt on and everything. they everywhere. Verse 7. A just man walketh in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. So this is a just man is a righteous man. So a righteous man walks in the singleness of his heart. That's another way of saying it. His heart ain't no flip-flopping in him. There's a wholeness to him and it's all in accordance with his righteousness. That's how he walks. And the end result of that, it says, after him or according to his walk, his children are blessed. And it could be that his children follows after him, which pours blessings upon his children. Either one of the way or that you read it has the same thing. But the idea is, is that the way that we walk in the life that we live has some impact on those who come behind us. There's blessing poured upon the children because of the integrity of the father. Verse eight said, so a king sitteth in the throne of judgment. Scattereth away all evil with his eyes. This is the is idea, like we know this best from Mama Neal and Grandma Neal. The idea here is that a king, when he, when he's uh, using his position to judge and to condemn evil, a true king has the ability to just by looking, make the evil to cease. That's what he's saying. He scattereth away evil with his eyes. So when he's standing in his seat and he looks a certain way, that has the ability to settle the situation. Like, ain't no more debate. I'm sorry. You can have it. Like I said, it's hard for us to understand this because we don't have kings and authority, especially no great leader right now. But how many of you done been there with your mama now? You've been acting up, you didn't have the little thing, they just turn and look at you. You straighten up. Pull your pants up. Do all that other <laughs> type of stuff. That's what he's getting here with. That person when they really bought their business. And really putting it down. They have the ability. To just by look. Just by look. Get rid of evil. Verse 9. says, who can say. I have made my heart clean. I am pure from my sin. This is the one to meditate on. We're going to have to come back to it. Like. A person out there. Who can make this declaration. I have made myself clean. I have purified myself. There's no, the idea in the way it's phrased is, nobody can make that statement. That I have made my heart clean, that I have purified my way, nobody can make that statement. And we're either going to come back to it, we'll just let it sit there for a minute. It won't be long. Verse 10 said, divers weights and divers measures, both of them are like abominations to the Lord. It's one of those oft repeated proverbs. That divers weights, those are different weights. And the idea, like I said, it, the common thing was this is how they measured and did business back in the day. That you had, you put your stuff on a scale. It wasn't just no dollars. They had money and you weighed it out. And some people cheated. So they'll add a little weight to their scale. so that you have to put more money to buy. It. Some people cheated with their corn. They, said they, they, They'll lay over gold and, and some type of lead or something to make it a little more heavy. So it only takes a few more coins, like God loathes these things, divers' wakes and divers' abominations. And this is one of those often repeated proverbs that we're going to run to for a minute. And we'll take a pause and think about it. Like I told you, all these things is the things we're supposed to ponder and go over. So let's see, can we expand this application just to give you an idea how it works? One of the famous, we'll take Jesus, Jesus did it for us. One of the most famous sayings of Jesus that everybody throw around now, church and non-church, is uh from Matthew chapter 7. Judge not, lest you be judged. Everybody know that one. You ain't supposed to judge. But he makes this statement. He says, because with whatever measure you meet, it shall be measured back unto you. And here he's talking using measuring as a standard of judging. And. The idea is, is you can't judge somebody from one standard, then get upset when somebody judge you based off that uh, that same standard. Like, you can't just look at somebody and make a snap judgment about them. Then when somebody just look at you like, oh, he a thug. Why? Because he got on black. <laughs> you can't do that. If you going to use that standard, respect it when it's used. And those are differing measures. So when he hears it, he's talking about different weights and different measures or abomination to the Lord. We can take this and take the same ideas that when we judge and when we weigh people, when we trust, I mean, when we test people's heart and make it an impact on them, if we have variation in how we do that, God hates that. If I look at Justin one way and give him the utmost respect and give him the benefit of the doubt, but then I said, man, that boy abuse. See, he just threw. See, he, he he tried that. But Justin do the same thing. I, I understand, bro. You ain't mean it. Like, no, God don't like that. If you have a standard, stick to that standard. Don't be flipping it up. God loathes. God hates it when we have different weights and different measures. Y'all understand what I'm talking about. And there's different ways that we use these proverbs and allow them to sit and see how they apply in different situations. Verse 11. He even a child is known by his deeds or his doings, whether his work be pure or whether it be right. So a child, you can understand how you can identify even a child by what he do. So that's the character of a person is displayed by the actions of a person. And that character is shown here. He said, whether he be pure or whether it be right. So here he's letting us know that there's possibility for even a child to be pure in his ways. But can no man say that I have made my way pure? How does that work? Let that sit for a minute. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether his ways are pure or whether his ways be right. Now, I ask you this one, just
1: think about this. If I cheat on my wife. But I tell you I'm not an adulterer. Am I lying? How I many people say you you lie? Huh? <laughs> Whatever definition you give to it. Like I ain't no adulterer though. <laughs> I'm lying. Why do you say that? Are you trying to tell me I am what I do? It's not a possibility for me to separate myself from my actions. Like I might tell a lie, but I ain't no liar though. I don't think that's a possibility for me to separate myself from my actions. Right? Like, I might steal, but I ain't no thief. (laughs) Y'all don't think that's possible. And that's what Solomon is saying. Don't let nobody tell you that that's
0: possible. Even a child is known by his deeds, whether his ways be right or whether it be evil. So if the man, even if he quote unquote a man of God, if he's living a certain way, we don't care
1: what he's proclaiming to be. We see who he is by what he what? Doing. I don't care what he proclaiming to be
0: because we go back to the beginning of the chapter. Everybody can tell you how good they are. But they're faithful few. Hard to find. And it's a part of religious deception that we have to overcome. Like, no, man, I ain't, I ain't all that because I'm covered under the blood of Jesus. Yes, you are covered. You cover with lying, hypocrisy, <laughs> and all that other stuff that you won't name. <laughs> Verse twelve: The hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord hath made even both of them. So the hearing ear that, the the hearing ear, the eye, the ear that has the ability to hear or to receive, God made it. The eye that has the ability to perceive. God made both of them. Now if we meet Jesus in the New Testament and he tell us and he make one of his deep parables and he said, those who have ears to hear, let them hear.
1: And we like, I don't understand what he's saying. So what should be our response? As who? Because where does the hearing
0: ear and the seeing eye come from? God made even both of them. So we see it on the physical level in the sense that everybody that can see, God gave them the ability to see. Everybody that can hear, God gave them the ability to hear. But even spiritually, everybody that can see, where does it come from? God. It's a gift from God. So do I boast against my brother because I can comprehend something that he can't quite catch on to? Mm -mm. Because the only thing that separates his deafness from my hearing is the gift of God that was presented to me.
1: And that's why we can never get in a position in life, no matter how far we overcome to the
0: point where we look down and peer down with an evil eye towards those who are in the position that we once were in. Because it's easy to get that as we grow in advance, like, man, that don't, like, how, how can you even be like that, bro? Like, how you don't get it? The only way you got it is because of who made it? God. And so when we're talking and we're dealing with people that they cannot comprehend, our thing is not to scold, but to push them towards God. Because He's the only one that can give the ability to see, to understand. He's the only one that can give the ability to hear, to comprehend the things that are being put forth. Y'all, y'all, y'all track with me. Verse 13 said, love not sleep, least thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes and thou shalt be satisfied with bread.
1: That's deep. Don't delight in sleep. If you enjoy sleeping, poverty is going
0: to be the end result of it. That's deep. (laughs) Then he says, open up your eyes and you shall be satisfied with bread. And the picture
1: here is, all you need to do is wake up. If you can just get up, you can eat. (laughs)
0: I <laughs> said, "I'll we'll never get a chance." <laughs> but that's the idea. We ain't. We not. We shouldn't be lazy people. If you get into the place of slumber, get into the place of sleep, man, you you walking your way towards poverty. Verse fourteen. It is not. It is not said the buyer. But when he is gone his way, then he boasted. Now this is a deep one, especially for y'all business people here. Say, it is not, it is not, said the buyer. But when he is gone his way, he boasted, or oh, he rejoiced he shined. And the idea here is in a business transaction. Somebody coming to get something from you. And their response in the immediate opening, nah man, it ain't, it ain't worth nothing. Like, it ain't nothing. That ain't about nothing. Then you give it to them for nothing. Then in the end, they boasting and they bragging. Look how it came up. That's one you put in your pocket. That's one the wisdom things. It is not. It is not, said
1: the buyer. So the buyer you gonna knock down the value of it. But when he leaves, he's gonna be happy. Speaking to both of them.
0: Like I said, the more we get, the more cryptic they will be. So this one you have to sit on and you put your size on both sides of it. Because if you can get
1: something for less than what it's worth without deception, should you? I'm asking. (laughs) And what would be the end result when you walk
0: away from that exchange? You're going to be, <laughs> you're going to gleam and you're going to beam. But if you can challenge what somebody's tell you when they present to you a value of something, should you do it? When you're in exchange and you're not quite sure the value of something, if you can test it and not just trust that man word for it, should you? Because what could possibly happen? He can take you. <laughs> he can rob you for all you got. And it's one of them principles. You sit and you let it flip around. He's just showing you this is what happened in business. The buyer come, he tell you it's worthless. But when it all said and done, he boasts and brag because he didn't came up. Just Let that sit there. Fifteen said there is gold in a multitude of rubies, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. And well, here's one of those comparative ones. Like out there in the world, there's a whole bunch of precious things. Gold, whole lot of rubies. But the lips of knowledge, that's the most precious thing. So if we got a choice between having a knowledgeable lips or even engaging with knowledgeable lips and having rubies, you should pick the latter. Now, how many of y'all believe that? I know you're at church. You don't supposed to say you disagree with the Bible. but Answer in your heart. (laughs) 16 said, take his garment that is surety for a stranger and take a pledge of him for a strange woman. So this is a guy who made himself, we're, the most common word we use for this is cosign. Like the dude who's willing to put himself out there to obligate himself for somebody else's debt. It's like take his coat. So in the, in the picture he's given here is you take, a, um. what would be the word? The word just escaped my mind. A collateral. It's that when you're dealing with somebody that's willing to put themselves down for somebody else's debt, take from them. And if they're willing to be a pledge or willing to vow themselves for a stranger, an outside woman, hold them to it. And it's the idea of you don't really, shouldn't put yourself in this situation. In this situation. And if you find somebody that's willing to do that, don't trust that person. Take from them. Like take his coat—that is one that's willing to make himself surety from a friend. This is not a trustworthy person. If he's willing to put himself out there for somebody else, and it's uh uh, give you that evil idea or that fact that putting yourself in debt and obligating yourself is not quite the thing that you should do, and it's not the most wise thing to do. they I understand. It's
1: gonna come back around again. Yes. That, it don't seem to be saying that. I, I would absolutely agree with you.
0: And it's something, like I said, once you have to let sit. But the idea here, if you take it, if you're looking from that businessman standpoint, what he's telling you is make sure what you got going on first. That's what he's saying. Take the pledge from him. Take his garment. Take his coat. You assure what you got going on first. I was watching this thing with this, uh, dude, uh, It's the show I used to love to watch, Property Wars. I don't know if y'all ever seen that. Where they was going in Arizona, buying up foreclosed properties and flipping them. And as the dude on there, he was like one of the stars of the show. But in real life, dude got in some real bad money situations, and he got the pimping folk. And what he was doing was he was borrowing these quick, unsecured loans to flip these properties. But he got to a moment where he just stopped buying properties and taking these loans and balling out. And just balling, just putting it up. Then he got to a point where he was losing. So he started a furniture store. And he was taking out loans and buying furniture for himself. Like dude going through the obituary and signing credit application for people. <laughs> but he had this one dude who he kept going to for money who trusted him because he on TV, he got all this real estate, and he kept getting the money, kept feeding them. Then once dude realized
1: that, hold up, I ain't getting none of my money back. And now I got people who I owe. So, hey, man,
0: come, we're going to have to make good on some of these. And dude realized, all he got to tell him yeah, I'm going to make good. I got you. This coming up. I'm finna buy this. I'm finna flip this. And the end result is, the dude who loaned loaning the money ended up killing himself. Because he had a reputation of being a high, trustworthy businessman. And he allowed himself to get duped. Because he just trusted the word of a scoundrel. And he allowed the appearance of TV and the bigness of balling and driving around and Range Rovers and all that great stuff to appeal to him. So he put himself in a position where he trusted a guy with no basis for it. And had no security to back his thing. And it all fell through. Because dude ain't have no money. So you're looking from that standpoint. Yes but. You're going to come back to that one. Well I don't. Is it this book or the next one. I can't remember. They're running together. Verse 17. Said the bread of deceit is sweet to a man. But afterwards his mouth shall be filled with gravel. So the bread of deceit. Is basically the things that you get through deception. So if you can cheat your way up, it's like that's sweet. But when it all comes to roast, when it all comes back, you say your mouth gonna be filled with gravel. There's a bitter taste. There's a sting at the end of it that can break your teeth. So to come up is sweet. It look good. When you stealing, when you scamming, when you scheming, when you lying to get over on folks, Like yeah, it seems sweet. But at the end, there's gonna come a time where there's gonna be retribution. It's like that, that money, those things gotten, are gonna be able to break your teeth. That's what they mean by your mouth it's gonna be filled with gravel. It's something that gonna hurt you all when it's all said and done. Every purpose is established by counseling with good advice. makes war. It's so simple. When you got plans, when you got intentions, you make sure those intentions with wise counsel. And they say with good advice. So with good people coming around you and advising you, that's when you go to battle. You don't just go off your own whim or with your good plans and intentions. Have some good counsel. Have some people who know, who understand, to be able to guide you, to help you establish, or make secure your plan. Verse nineteen: He that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets. Therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. So that talebearer is one we would say a gossiping person, one who bounces from house to house telling stories. Come to your house, hear what you got to say, and tell you what they were going on at the other house. Leave your house and go down, team them house. And tell everybody else what was going on at your house. That's the person of the tail bearer, The one who just go around telling stories. Bouncing from house to house. It's like that type of person reveals secrets. Therefore, don't get mixed up with him that flatter it with the lips. The idea is the people who entice you and speak well to you in front of you. Don't allow them to pull you in. Especially once you if you know their reputation. They can talk good to you. Everybody, we know, made that statement. If you talk about them like this now, what'd you say about me? <laughs> and that's the idea that he got. That, that one that bounced from house to house, telling story to story, don't let them suck you in. When they flattering, they speaking flower things and trying to pull information out of you. Like, don't even get involved with it. Because we all know them folks. they ask you the question that they already know the answer to. because They've been on the Facebook and they've been called such and such. They just want to hear your side. Like what happened over there with such? Man, you were down now. What you asking? <laughs> what you asking me that for? <laughs> no, you were looking through the blind. <laughs> you just want to see. Well, do I know something you don't know? <laughs> like them persons don't even get mixed up with them. Verse 20. Whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. That's deep. So the person that rails against, the person that speaks evil of his father or his mother, the light that's inside of them, that light we talked about earlier, the spirit, the life that's inside of them going to be snuffed out. And it says in obscure darkness, it's just a a pure darkness going to overtake them. So don't curse your mother or your father. What if your mother and your father are, are evil and crazy? Should you cuss them then? <laughs> that double sit. <laughs> 21, an inheritance may be gotten hastily at the beginning, but the end thereof shall not be blessed. So that hastily is in a rush, in a, without thought, without intentions. You can get it quick, but the end of it is not going to be blessed. There's not no, going to be a good end if you get it quick. If you make a quick come up, you don't deserve it, you ain't ready for it, The end of it ain't going to be good. And we all see this through the people who win the lottery. The vast majority of them end up broke. Strung out on here. On the corner somewhere in Las Vegas. (laughs) 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. That recompense means to pay back. So don't be saying, going around saying, I'm going to get them back. I'm going to pay back. I'm going to pay them back because of the evil, because of the wrong that was done to me. But instead, he said, "Wait on the Lord." And the idea is, you just let it sit. If somebody do you wrong, you don't have to avenge it. Let it sit. And he said, "And God will save you. He will deliver you from the evil that was done to you. You just let that thing sit." Twenty-three. Divers weights are abomination unto the Lord. And a false balance is not good. That's one keep coming up. The divers weights, different weights, and a false balance untrue balance is not good god don't like that 24 man's goings are of the lord how can a man then understand his own way so the way that a man go his steps is is directed or is under the control of the lord so god is the one who oversees or directs the path of a man's going the way that you go god has some sovereignty over that i mean god has some rule over it and he's saying so therefore how can a man discern or comprehend this way And there's a sense in which the patterns of our lives or the moving of our lives are beyond our comprehension because it's beyond us in the way that we go. And if you just think about all the times and and the things that should not have been but was. Time where you made dumb decisions but somehow the fullness of the dumbness did not fully recompense on you. When you went somewhere you shouldn't have been going, and other folks who did what you did end up kidnapped dead Hung on a tree. But somehow the man tie got flattened. You end up back home. You was none aware that you was in danger. <laughs> it is a snare to a man who devoured that which is holy. And afterwards vows to make inquiry. Now this is one of those tricky ones. Says so it's a snare. That means it's a trap. To the one who devoured that which is holy. To devour that which is holy is, is where the trick is. It mean it could mean to consume hastily or to speak hastily of that which is
1: holy. So the idea is if you can get crunk in the midst of something and hurry up and just out of
0: the devotion make a vow to God to consecrate something. And just you rashly speak and God Jesus, I pledge to you a billion (laughs) dollars. Because the servant was good and that man was lying to y'all, talking about the blessing that's going to come from the fruition. If you call this number. And you can just rashly speak, get caught up in the emotions and make this vow to God. It's like afterwards you make inquiry. Afterwards you think about it. Like that's a snare. That's a trap. And the idea is, is don't be hastily to make a vow or to make some type of devotion to God without inquiring about it first. This is like one of you. you even you, um, you got messed up and you did something you weren't supposed to. Like, God, if I ain't got AIDS or if she ain't pregnant, I ain't will ever do such. I'm going to be a priest in a month. Then <laughs> a month later, you're out there back in the streets doing it. Like, nah. And that's what Ecclesiastes say. That's why they say it's better to not vow than to vow and not pay. Because once you make that devotion, once you put that thing out there, God going to hold you to it. Right? So it's a trap. If you get caught up in the emotions or something. And hastily make a vow. Don't do that. Because then you want to think about it later. And realize you, you messed up. And you can't do it. 26. A wise man scattereth the wicked. And bringeth the will over them. A wise king rather. So this is the king in judgment. He makes the wicked disperse. If he's a wise king. And that bringeth the will over them. It's talked about. Like the threshing wheel. He crushes them. He scatters them. He crushes them. That's what the wise king king does. So the spirit of a man is the candle of the Lord. Searching all the inward parts of the belly. So the spirit that dwells inside of you. That's the candle or the light of God inside of you. So God uses your spirit to examine you from within. So God gives insight to you through the spirit that's inside of you and that which allows you
1: to examine your heart 28 said mercy and truth preserve the king and his throne is
0: upholding by mercy so a a, a kind king who speaks the truth that's the thing that allows him to continue as king and his throne is upholding in mercy so he, he stays in his position through mercy like I said it's hard for us to grasp if we don't
1: have kings But would this be true for Justin? Because he's a boss. That mercy and truth preserve him. And his throne is uphold. His position of authority
0: can be uphold because of mercy. 29 said the glory of young men is their strength. And the beauty of old men is the gray head. So the glory, the thing that makes a young man shine and stand out is his strength. The fact that he is strong. And the thing that makes an old one stand out, it said, is his gray head. So, Justin, don't be, don't be getting that on just for me. Let that, that stuff come on. <laughs> Buke ain't gotta worry about that. <laughs> you get it in the beard, brother, that count too. <laughs> the blueness of a wound cleanseth away evil. So do stripes the inward parts of the belly. Now this is a deep one now. The blueness of a wound, and I don't know what way to say this without getting in trouble with DHR. So the blueness of a wound could be the bruises
1: that comes from a wound or comes from a sore. It cleanses the way evil. So
0: you bruising has the ability to take away evil from you and stripes cleanses the inward parts stripes whelps have the ability to take away what's going on on the inward parts let that sit how it sit with you what do you think that means just <laughs> so 21 the king's heart is in the hand of the lord and as the rivers of water he turneth whithersoever he wills so this is god has dominance over the king's heart And he has the ability to bend it, to influence the king, the one in the ruler's heart to the point wherever he desires it to be. That's a heavy one. Say every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. So when you look at yourself, it seems right to you. But God don't look at the way you look at it. He looks at the the, the heart. And like I said, tell you all the time, that can be a dangerous thing. because. If we be honest with ourselves, our heart mostly is ten times evil than we actually are. How many times you wanted to slap somebody, but you were too scared and you didn't do it. But in your heart you wanted to. How many times your mama made you get up and do something you didn't want to do Well, that whole time you were putting up a fuss in your heart, but you dare not say it to her face?
1: Your heart is far worse than what you are and
0: that's the thing that god looks at verse three said to do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice now this is deep that to do justice justice is righteousness so to do what is right and to uphold justice or uphold the things that are true declarations so god takes more pleasure in that or he accepts that more than he do sacrifices so you can bring all your religious things that you want to. If you're not doing what is right and you're not holding to a standard of, of judgment, like God don't, God has no acceptance of that. Two, I'm four, 21 4 how look in a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is sin. So the proud for look and a proud heart and the work of the plowing of the wicked is sin. So those who are wicked, God hates the way they look. Hates the position that they put over them and even their working to him is sin because of the, the pride, the pride that's in their heart. That's the sin. That's the evil of them. So even in their work, even in them doing things, if it flows from this heart of pride that wicked have and from this position of boasting themselves other over everybody, God hates that. Verse five said so the thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. So those who are diligent, when they're plotting and when they're planning, it tends only to prosperity. Plenteousness. So when you're plotting and planning with a diligent mind, the end results of that will be plenteousness, prosperity. And this diligence is not the same as hastiness. As we think diligence, I'm hurrying up. Now, if you willing to, to work it all the way through, if you've been willing to do the work, take everything that needs to be done. And do it when it needs to be done, how it needs to be done. That's diligence. Not cutting any corners, truly understanding and going after it, not taking any breaks. So there's some speed in diligence, but it's not hasty without thought. That's hastiness. You're just rushing in. No, you do it and you do it when it needs to be done. But there's a thought behind it when you're diligent. If you got that, it tends only to plenteousness. But everyone that is hasty, you're going to be lacking or only to want. To get enough treasure by a lying tongue is vanity, tossed to and fro of them that seek death. So those who prosper by lying, it's like that's vanity, that's nothingness, and it get passed around those folks who only seeking death. So if you come up because of lying to people, you seeking death. If that's the way you get over, if that's the way you gain your riches through lying and deception, say you seeking death. Verse seven: The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them, because they refuse to do judgment. So that the robbery is the violence of the wicked. So the violence of the wicked is the thing that's going to destroy the wicked. The violence of the wicked going to come back on the wicked. And it's because they refuse to do judgment. They refuse to treat people in a way that is right. So they're going to get the same thing that they give out. Verse 8, the way of a man is froward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. So the inside, the way of a man, the pattern of life of a man said is froward, is twisted and strange. So the vast majority of people, the way they walk is perverted, is messed up, is strange, is twisted. But the pure, there are some pure people. When he do what he do, it is righteousness. He works and he works in a manner that is consistent with doing what is right. The vast majority of the world works in a manner that's twisted, perverted. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And the goal is for us to be that pure. But he asked us, how can a man cleanse his ways? How can, who can say I have made my heart pure? If nobody can say I have made my heart pure, I have cleansed my ways. How can there be a pure in heart that does the thing that is right? How do we get there? Anybody know that? else? How do we get to be this pure that does what is right?
1: If nobody can say I made my heart pure, that I didn't cleanse my ways. Huh? Pray for what? Yes, God can do the cleansing. We can't pull it off. He can. So none of us can say
0: I made myself pure. But that does not mean none of us can say I am pure. Because something can happen to me that creates purity in me that doesn't have to come from me. So that's why he said, nobody can say I made my heart pure. Nobody can say I purified my ways. But there are some pure people who can be known by their deeds. And these type of people, they walk in a way that is right. And this is what we need to comprehend. Don't let nobody trick you. If you're not walking in the way that is right, you're not a part of this pure people. And what's are the only ones that are going to see God? Anybody know? Only the pure in heart shall see God. So if I'm a part of the people that are going to see, see God, that means I'm a part of the what? The pure in heart. But if I'm a part of the pure in heart, those who have a pure heart walk in a way that is right. So if I'm not walking in a way that is right, I can't say that I have a pure heart. What if the man had told me and I and I, and I and I made my confession and I got dumped in that pool and, and he laid hands on me, put the oil on me, he sat in front of the chair, repeated out the preacher, signed the call. What if I done all that in my way still ain't right? Can I still say I'm pure? Nah. Because if you've done all that and your way still ain't right, that means you really ain't do that. Because those things does not purify. Who's the only person that can purify us? God. And so our goal is to press forth and to seek after him because he's the only one that can get us into the place that we're supposed to be. And no matter what our religious tradition is, no matter how far we've been in church, how much of the Bible we, we, me- we memorize,
1: Even a child is known by his what? His deeds. Y'all with me? We can pause right there. Anybody got any questions?